the thing is like you were suffering before, but you actually weren't aware of it. Right. And now it's like, you think you're suffering, but you're not. And I just, I felt like, oh, that was so fucking fascinating because so much of the work that I'm doing at the moment is around communicating to the universe. I'm available to feel all of the loneliness. I'm available to feel all of my sadness. I'm available to feel all of my anger and you know, all of these emotions that I previously was really fucking terrified to feel, you know? Yeah. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Same Shit Different Brain series 2. Can you believe it's nearly over for the summer break? Thank you very much for tuning in. I hope you had a good fortnight. I've been having loads of fun promoting my first event, How to Make Friends and Find Community, which is just over two weeks away on Thursday 11th of August in Manchester. Check out the episode description for the link to Eventbrite as I'd love to have you along if you can make it and see lots of friends old and new. I've also been making the most of the sun by camping by the sea in Wales two weeks in a row. I hope you made the most of it. At the weekend I went to see Prima Fassi. Prima Fassi, however you pronounce it. Oh my god, how good. Jodie Coleman never disappoints, but the writing was incredible and it's such an important watch around the female experience and the often devastating consequences of standing up for ourselves. But this week I had Chloe Higgins on the podcast, a writer and writing coach from Australia. She runs her online business Write With Chloe from Thailand, so she's my first international guest. That was really exciting when her partnerships manager reached out to me. A big reason for Chloe's move to Thailand was her love of Mai Tai, a form of exercise serving as an important coping tool for her own mental health. Chloe spoke about losing two sisters in a car accident when she was 17, which led to a two-month day in a psychiatric ward, undergoing treatment for trauma. There, she discovered her passion for writing after discovering The Artist Way by Julia Cameron, which helps with artistic creative recovery. Almost immediately, Chloe decided she wanted to be an author, and in 2020, her debut The Girls won the People's Choice Award at the 2020 Victorian Premier's Literary Awards. Chloe now coaches other people with their writing and reaching the point of publication with a strong focus on mindset and self-work. She believes that writing and mental health are the same thing, that vulnerability is everything in literature and that it's a political act to normalise honest personal conversations. This means that topics such as orgasms, masturbation and vaginas are just par for the course for her classes. Nothing out of the ordinary there. We also discussed Chloe's love of travel throughout adulthood, being available to feel all her feelings, especially those she was previously scared of, radical responsibility, victimhood and collapsed boundaries and how our culture perpetuates victimhood and using journaling for heightened emotional intelligence and better communication skills and also for writers to develop fully rounded characters. I hope you enjoy this episode and if you like the show, please take a minute to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or rate it on Spotify. Hi hey. Chloe, how are you? Yeah, I'm so good. I'm so excited for this conversation. Yeah, oh, me goodness. too. Yeah, I was so happy to get the email and get the chance to, to speak to you. Was it just a case of looking for podcasts online and then mine sort of cropped up? Yeah, so I have a partnerships um, manager, Sarah. Yeah. So she organised everything. So she oh, loves your work, loves your podcast. And so she recommended, um, yeah, pitching oh. to you. And yeah. Great, I'm so glad she found me. Yeah. So you're um, over in Thailand at the moment. Are you? You're not back home 
Australia at the moment, are you? No, no. I, so I live on Kopangan, which is an island in Thailand. Yeah. Amazing. I've seen some of your yeah. photos. It looks like a pretty good life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's also, it's a lot of like energy. There's a lot. It's like, it, yeah. yeah. It's also a lot of like healing work. The island is mm. kind of known for, for healing. So it can also kind of bring out a lot of intense energy and yeah but yes it is um it is also a really really beautiful island yeah I've still never been I need to go it's it's on my bucket list in fact I want to go next year to Thailand so mm-hmm. definitely need to get there are you sat, sat outside at the moment it's pretty warm there oh yeah so hot here um but I, I love it I'm trying to maybe I can show you if I switch my camera yes yeah, so I'm just sitting on my balcony oh look at that yeah. <laughs> Little wow. hammock, my hammock set up over there. Oh, so good. My apartment. Yeah, yeah, good choice. Good choice. <laughs> yeah. So it looks like your day is going pretty well from looking at the background, but um, officially, how is your day going today? Yeah, good. Just um, doing a lot of work around emotional intelligence. Yeah. Um, leaning into everything that wants to come up um building trust in the universe and all this kind of stuff so to be honest the past few weeks have actually been some of the hardest of my entire life to be honest um but I feel like there's a lot of growth happening a lot of learning um and a lot of I feel like this is kind of me starting to shift out of uh, patterns of avoidance that I've been allowing yeah myself to indulge in previously I just saw someone um what's his name feel good life I don't know if you notice if you follow Phil um feel good life on, I on Instagram do. but he's amazing and he literally he just posted this reel today I think it was and he was like the thing is like you were suffering before but you actually weren't aware of it right and now it's like you think you're suffering but you're not and I just I felt like oh Oh, that was so fucking fascinating because so much of the work that I'm doing at the moment is around um, like communicating to the universe. I'm available to feel all of the loneliness. I'm available to feel all of my sadness. I'm available to feel all of my anger and, you know, all of these emotions that I previously yeah. was really fucking terrified to feel, mm. you know? Yeah. So it's this weird paradox of like, I know I need to be doing this. And I know this work is really important and I know that I'm growing, but it also feels really fucking hard. Yeah. At times. Yeah. Yeah. I totally get that when you're going really deep into sort of self-development and, you know, any sort of deep inner work, it can sort of feel like, oh my God, like, am I having a breakdown? But then you think before and you're like, oh my God, I wasn't even feeling anything before. Like that is so much worse. So then you feel better and it's like, you know that it's healthy, but it's not easy. It can be really rocky, like coming to terms with all of it and yeah, just just letting the the pain or whatever else come come to fruition, but so worth it, really is. It's all part of getting to know yourself, isn't it? And obviously when you're a writer as well, it's, it's so important. I saw um, on your stories about journaling so mm-hmm. much and how important that is. And it, it, I've been doing the same myself recently and I was kind of beating myself up because I was really wanting to start doing more creative writing and more like 
editorial writing and from my own site as well. But it just feels really necessary to sort of journal out whatever you need to, doesn't it? And yeah, that that reassured me because it's definitely a very healthy habit to keep up, which I've definitely done a lot more since the pandemic, given myself that space to do that. Yeah. And I think for me, it's also the precursor to more like scene based work or technically yeah. proficient work or what most people would consider like publishable work, right? Because obviously yeah. we don't really want to be publishing our journals. Um, but for me, the journaling is the first draft of the publishable work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, then it's, you know, something to look at as well as like patterns of avoidance. So sometimes I see people only doing the journaling mm. despite saying they want to be a published author, but never actually doing any of the scene based work, doing any of the actual editing. Um, so that yeah. can be um, a little bit of a pattern sometimes. But yeah, but if you're not aiming for publication, then like, why would you ever stop journaling? Right? As you say, I think it's so critical. Yeah, yeah 100%. I, I love it. I mean, I have like about five different types of journals. I have I have others that I've not picked up for a while. But yeah, I mean, I could probably just journal all day if I didn't have to work. <laughs> what What are your five types of journals? <laughs> So I have like my daily reflections. This is like a habit that I formed when I did coaching a couple of years ago, like mindset coaching. And then I have my gratitude journal. And then I have one for morning pages when I wake up, try and do that as many days as I can. And then I have a three good things every day journal, which I started in the second lockdown. It's just a really short one. That's really nice to look back on now for the last couple of years. What else do I have? Oh, I had like a future scripting journal as well. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, I haven't written that one for a while, but that was fun. <laughs> so many journals, <laughs> big fan. Yeah. How do you decide what you're going to do? Do you only journal once a day? Um, well, I'm really strict with the daily reflections. Yeah. That's like just like a paragraph of how I spent my time and then what I'm proud of, what I could do better, highlight and quickly plan out the next day. I find that really useful because it just helps me to sort of live really intentionally and just sort of like lovingly hold myself accountable with what I could improve on and like with discipline as well if I outline my next day and then it takes away like the mental load of having to think about it so that one I'm always really strict with and then the morning pages I do find really useful when I have time to get to them and the three good things every day I'll fill in for every day as well because that's just like three lines off could be even three words anything so that's quite short yeah Yeah, the others I kind of come back to when I feel is right (laughs) what about you is it just kind of um, more free form journaling that you're referring to or no so I used to do a lot of free form journaling but yeah. at the moment it's much more structured yeah so I've got um like so shadow work some shadow work journaling that I do that I'm doing at the moment so for example I'm playing with um the idea that I'm a liar so mm-hmm. I would never normally have identified as a liar but um, I'm doing a shadow work course at the moment and this for me is one of the, you know, the, the course isn't focused on lying at all, but this for me for some reason is one that's really opened up a lot for me 
Mm. Um, because I've been doing a lot of stuff around things like self-trust, um, honesty, authenticity, speaking yeah. my truth, all this kind of stuff. And so, yeah, I, I'm not someone that has a history of, of lying about big things at all. And so I never would have identified myself as a liar. But then in this course, she was like, what happened if you played with the idea that you're a liar and you just said that statement about yourself and then that gave you space to actually see all of the moments in your life where you are lying. And I started to notice like all of these like tiny lies that wow. I was telling. Yeah. Like this guy, I was having this conversation with this guy the other day and he's like, can, can, can I just like hold your hand while we're having, we were doing like some conflict resolution. Can I just hold your hand right now? And I was like, oh, my boyfriend is over there. Like he wouldn't really like it. And then I went away finished the conversation went away and I was like well that was a fucking lie Chloe you just find that guy really freaking creepy and didn't want to touch him didn't have the guts to actually verbalize that you know and so starting to like notice myself telling these kind of in quote marks small fibs because I don't want to sit with the discomfort of leaning into deep authenticity in these moments but what it's been costing me over the years you know we think of these as small lies but what has been costing me over the years is fucking massive. Mm. Like it's actually massive to the point where like I'm starting to notice how frequently I'm gaslighting myself where like a thought will come into my mind, my honest truth about a situation and I haven't previously, I'm seeing now that I'm playing with this idea of being a liar, right, Mm -hmm. I haven't previously even let myself see that that thought was there. Like actually I was aware of it but it's like I couldn't even acknowledge it, right, and what I'm training myself to do now is just to acknowledge these, like, these little thoughts that are often, like, the truth. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, because we can have, like, sort of certain values that we really hold really close within ourselves, don't we? And then we sort of, like, put the blinkers on in terms of what that means for us and what we see about ourselves, I guess. And in terms of things like lying, yeah, I can definitely identify that, oh, no, I'm not a liar, but it's like... <laughs> I can see how it could be perhaps useful for holding ourselves to account. It's like, okay, some lies, we are protecting ourselves. That's okay. But where do we draw the line and where might we be able to have a bit of courage to perhaps speak up sometimes as well and just tell the truth. And just starting to unpack, okay, why am I telling these white lies? You know, in some moments, I think they're okay, right? In some moments it might be like, I'm actually not invested in this relationship enough to bother putting in a heavy conversation right now, right? Like I don't want to be walking around doing heavy inner work with every human that I meet. Like I just don't have the energy for that. And so in that case, it's like, yeah, okay, fair enough. I understand. But at other moments, it's like, oh, actually, I just feel afraid of judgment or afraid of rejection or what. And in that case, but if I wasn't afraid of that, I actually would speak up, you know? And in that moment, it's like, yeah, well, Chloe, that's not really a legitimate excuse. You know, like, let's, like, kindly not keep doing that to myself, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely really useful to kind of know when we're bullshitting ourselves, basically, and uh, become more aware of that. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. So in terms of your writing work, I I assume you would have always had a passion for writing but when did you first start writing for a living and then I assume that led to coaching afterwards as well Mm. yeah so I lost two sisters in a car accident when I was 17 and I'd always Mm. been a big reader but um, it wasn't until I ended up in a psychiatric ward 
for about two months off the back of that trauma that I started actually doing Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way. So three handwritten pages, first thing everyone. And that was the start of like my writing journey. And then honestly, pretty quickly within like a couple of weeks, I was like, I'm going to be an author. I'm going to write a book. And that was the Mm, that was the start of me um, going on the the journey of figuring out how to become a published author. Wow. I'm so sorry that happened to you. That must have been an incredibly difficult time. So I imagine finding journaling around that time was a huge help in a lot of ways. Oh, it was like changed everything, right? Changed, literally, someone bring my cousin brought me that book. It changed the trajectory of my whole life. I mean, it's probably a bit melodramatic. I'm sure I would have come to it another way, but in a way, really, it, it changed everything. It's literally the reason that I'm here doing what I do. And yeah. You know, yeah. So then I did my, what I call like my writing apprenticeship, which was about 12 years of learning how to write. For me, learning is a, sorry, writing is a skill. Yeah. A lot of my students, when they first come to me, they think they want to know, do I have it? Like, what the fuck is it? There is no it, right? The question is like, are you going to keep showing up to learn this skill? Because it's not not a talent, right? That's the only question of whether you're going to make it. So, Mm. yeah, for me, that took 12 years, which is quite fast. um, But I just didn't let myself have any other hobbies or interests and was just in full commitment and full service to literature. Um, And so published my first book at 30. Right. And yeah. And you've um, won awards for that book, haven't you? Since did, the, yeah. did that happen fairly quickly after publishing? Yeah. So, most of the way that the award circuit works in Australia, anyway, is that you, that happens within a 12 month, about a 12 month to 18 month time frame. So, the book will get nominated into all of the kind of national award categories. And then, yeah. it, you know, the shortlistings or the wins or whatever it is will come in within that sort of 12 to 18 month period afterwards. Wow, fantastic. So yeah. is it writing books that you had committed to? Was that like your your goal and is that your your love like around the longer form? Yeah, I've done it. I do a little bit of essayistic work like around the 7,000 word mark. I really enjoy yeah. that sort of 7,000 mark, but short form just never really quite gelled for me. I really love like deep processing and that kind of typically involves um, a longer word count for me but in terms of my passion my business so as you know I have a business right with Chloe where I mentor people to write their first fictional memoir book but actually something that I am moving through at the moment and have been in the past couple of weeks is actually assessing what is actually lighting me up at the moment yeah and it was really scary to start to face with myself but I'm just no longer writing for publication at the moment right which you know I've been doing it for like 15 16 years and to let go of that feels like letting go of part of my soul part of my identity not part of my soul no no no. I'm actually moving closer into deeper alignment but letting part of like this kind of identity that I've been that was true right Mm -hmm. It, it was true for me for 15 years there was nothing more important in my life or to me or politically that I, personally that I believe than writing. But at the moment that's really shifting and my business is shifting as a result. The work that I'm now doing right. is shifting as a result. So it's, it's 
yeah, it's a lot to move through, but I'm just trying to trust the body. You know, I, I teach a lot about writing from the body as opposed to the head. And it's like the body knows, the body knows, the body knows. And the question is, are you willing to follow even when it doesn't make sense to the brain, even when the brain is scared, you know? Yeah. Um, and the, the answer for me has to be yes, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Do you think journaling is something that, um, I mean, I feel like it obviously comes more naturally to writers, but I often hear people saying, oh, I don't really journal. I'm not really a writer. And I just think, you know, everyone should be doing it really. Do you think it's something that is just as valuable for everyone, whether they're a writer or not, particularly when they're going through huge difficulties in their life and really need to sort of do that inner work a little bit? Absolutely, right? <laughs> this is not like, I mean, let's even, maybe let's even define what it means to be a writer, right? For me, a writer is just someone that writes. But if you're talking about, being a writer in the sense of like writing for publication, mm. like that is a very specific form of writing. Yeah. Just because you're like journaling doesn't mean that you've got aspirations to get published. You know, the process is different. The goal is different. Mm. The outcome is different, all that kind of stuff. But in terms of just journaling without the goal of being published, like for me personally, I don't know any other better tool for, for self-development, for inner work. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's people out there that do it, but I don't know how you do that kind of work without journaling, to be honest. Yeah. I, I don't know either. <laughs> how would you get to know yourself? How would you even like make sense of what's going on up there? Because it's next to impossible without getting pen to paper. Just, um, it could be a whole lot going around up there without um clarifying it I think on the page I mean I feel like people do it from dropping into the body a lot and, mm. and, and stuff like that as well so yeah yeah but for me personally and what's been the most rewarding aspect of your work so far overall Oof, I just just talking to one of my coaches about this yesterday but like mm. One of my students, I mean, I get messages like this from students all the time, but for some reason this just this one really stands out for me. But so she's a, a writing student of mine and I'm helping her write her first book, do her apprenticeship in writing. And mm. but the way that I coach writing is inherently deeply, deeply, deeply connected to inner work. We do a lot of stuff around boundaries, communication, emotional intelligence, authenticity, mm. all this kind of stuff, right? And she's actually a fiction writer. She's not even writing memoir. But for me, fiction writers aren't exempt from the inner work, right? They just get to divvy it up between the characters. Yeah. So anyway, we do a lot of this stuff indirectly together anyway. And she, um, I remember her sending me a message saying, like, you know, a few weeks after we started working together, like, you're making me open up to people in ways that I never have before. Oh, and I just thought, like, Absolutely. That is the goddamn baseline. Mm. That is that is the baseline from which I expect my students to be receiving from me, right? Like if they're not receiving that from me as a as a baseline, as a given, something is amiss in my coaching, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. so important. That's that's another incredible gift that writing can give. Not only a better relationship with yourself, but people around you hopefully would naturally follow from that when you're really committed to it. Absolutely. Everyone thinks writing is about like the external events, the plot, the structure. Da, da. None of that matters if mm. you don't have the inner work as the foundation. Fiction, memoir, it doesn't even matter, right? 
it's all built for me on a foundation of inner work, you know. Yeah. And if we think about this, even say within the context of fiction, so sometimes people are like, yeah, but I'm writing fiction. How is this relevant? Your characters can only be as emotionally aware as you are. Mm. Like your ceiling of emotional intelligence and awareness is your character's ceilings. Yeah. And I'm not saying that all of your characters have to have high emotional intelligence and awareness. No, right? That's how we have diversity of characters. They've all got different levels. But if yours is low, you can only ever write low-level emotional intelligence in your characters. Whereas if yours is high, it means you can write characters of all the spectrum. Yeah. And so it's actually part of your job as a fiction writer to be doing that inner work on yourself. That's so interesting. Yeah, that's I'd never heard it put like that before. That's that really makes me see the value of it even more so <laughs> for a writer. Yeah, that's that's really motivating to hear, I imagine, for people. Yeah. Or scary. Sometimes yeah. people stop studying yeah. with me because they're like, well, this is too heavy. I just wanted <laughs> to write a book about going Yeah, I didn't expect to. Like, I like <laughs> yeah, I'm probably the wrong coach for you then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, in terms of yourself, what are the things that would impact your mental health the most, would you say? Oof. I think the biggest one is victimhood, allowing myself to mm. play the victim in different situations and something that I do a lot of work on and am doing a lot of growth and healing around is taking radical responsibility for my life. Yeah. Um, at the moment, I'm doing a lot of study around communication skills, for example. It's probably my Chiron is in like Gemini. So it's like literally the wound of, um, of like of expression and truth and, and communication and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, I don't know if you're into astrology, but Chiron is kind of like your biggest wound that if you heal will become your greatest asset or gift. Uh, so mm, yeah, yeah so I'm, doing... I'm, I'm learning more about astrology I'm not deep into it but yeah it is fascinating yeah I actually I'm doing a workshop I think next week on this on the on how to use the Chiron in your writing oh because right. it's, it's literally it's literally a shortcut to good mental health and deep nuanced writing right it's like literally the thing that you've come here to learn and the thing that you suck at most and the thing that you probably shy away from the most and the thing that you actually need to lean towards the most, right? Yeah. So it's like this, it's like, it's so fascinating in terms of both mental health and writing, you know? Um, and for me, they're, they're the one and the same writing, mental health. It's the same thing. Yeah. So, yeah, at the moment for my mental health, just doing a lot of work on my communication skills and then really look at looking at where I'm playing the victim in my life and where I can take more radical responsibility. Yeah, that's so important. It's it's really refreshing to hear that actually you don't often hear people sort of admit that really, do you? It's um it does take that inner work. It's something that I've been looking at more myself over the last year, you know, like am I being a victim or could I take some responsibility here? And you have to do that with yourself. It's yeah, it comes back to like bullshitting yourself. You just you can't you can't do that you have to hold yourself accountable <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 and I mean sometimes you are a literal victim of someone yeah, else's of right but it's like okay what do I have control over what can I take responsibility for where have I collapsed my boundaries that may have allowed yeah. this into my life 
like I'm oh my god literally moving through a huge piece about this at the moment like yeah just a lot of boundary breaking stuff um happening in relationship to one person and just starting to become aware of how often I have collapsed my boundaries in this situation or let let my boundaries slide in this situation and how much work I need to do to actually clean them up if I want to move into greater responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean, what you said there about control as well, it's, that's so important, isn't it? Because otherwise you're just disempowering yourself if you're constantly coming from a place of victimhood. Mm-hmm. Literally. Yeah, it's like, take my power. Here you go. Have yeah. a cheese platter again, yeah, yeah. again and again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's, that's not good. <laughs> um, so what would you tell other people who are experiencing this kind of thing or having these kinds of issues, shall we say? I mean, does anyone not have these kind of issues, mm. right? I don't think they're issues that I think we live in a culture that perpetuates victimhood, right? Like, I think this is work that almost everyone needs to be doing. And what would I advise other people? What would come up for you if you actually considered, instead of being defensive, if you actually considered where you might be playing the victim in your life? Yeah. And for me, I find it really useful to pick situations where I'm having, where I'm being emotionally activated by another person and and clean that up. So to give you an example, in my business, I, yeah, I'm doing this astrology workshop, as I mentioned, Mm -hmm. uh, next week. And um, before I had like, I did like a really, like the first day, the price was just like super low. And I was just like, it's super low. There's no information other than it's going to be about Chiron within the context of writing. But if you, if you already know that you're in, um, grab it at this low price and then the details will be released later. Um, Yeah. Once I put the price up, you know, and then I had um, I had someone like slide into my DMs and be like, "Hey, I'm just wondering um, when you're going to send out the pre work that you mentioned." Da, 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 da. And honestly, I felt like a little bit of anger towards this person, you know. And I took it to my coach, and I was like, "Okay, this is what's coming up for me. Um, I'm kind of like blaming her for like even asking how dare how dare she in quote marks <laughs> ask me this question? Doesn't she know it's like such a low price at the moment? Like it's you know like yeah. Anyway, and talk through it with my coach. I was like, oh fuck, I'm totally in victimhood here. Like I get to go and check. Okay, did I clearly communicate my boundaries? Did I clearly say yeah. I'm actually unavailable for questions about logistics while it's set at this low price point? Mm-hmm. Did I clearly communicate? I'm going to tell you the time, dates, da, 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 once the price increases, you know. And look, I did a little bit, to be fair, but also not probably not enough, you know, probably not enough. So there's this sense of like, okay, instead of me playing the victim and, and having anger towards this person, how can I clean up my communications? How can I tighten my boundaries? How can I use this as an area of growth? And now I'm like, now I'm like, oh my God, this has actually been such a useful experience because now I've seen this gap in how I communicate around in my sales, you know? Amazing. Yeah. I had something really similar this week, actually. Um, it's just reminded me. Um, someone asked me for something um that I was working with, and I was like, God, why are they asking me that? That's so annoying. And that I, I don't know why it triggered me so much, but then like a day later, mm. I um, 
went back and thought about it, I thought, actually, that was really useful that they asked me that because I had to then go and look something up that I wasn't usually doing in my business. And that helped me. Um, you know, if anyone else ever asked me the same thing, then I'll be ready. So I was like a little bit like, okay, that was a bit childish of me to like feel a bit stroppy about that. Um, it was probably, a, I, I don't know why I got defensive about it. You, you know, we, we have certain triggers, obviously, that we do that over. But yeah, like you say, it's about taking a lesson from that and, um, you know, growing for next time. Yeah. And then also talking through this with my coach, the probably bigger, more mind-blowing part for me around what she said um, as well, she was like, you know, people, basically she said, people have a right to take up space. People have a right to ask for their needs and desires to be met. It's your responsibility to hold your boundaries, not someone else's, like yours, right? And then this unlocked this whole conversation where I've been afraid to take up space in our coaching. I've been afraid to ask too many questions. Mm. I've been afraid that I'm taking up too much of her time and that she's going to be resentful. And and she was like, that's my responsibility. That's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to be your authentic self. My responsibility is to say, hey, I need you to shorten your voice note questions or, hey, I'm not available for blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, there's been this, like, there's this mix-up between what who I've been attributing responsibility for, you know, mm-hmm. two things. And even just, like, you know, most, like, also then in my victimhood, realising how often I'm moving through life not being authentic, like, slightly, you know what I mean, like, slightly not being authentic, you know, I don't know, maybe, like, talking about my views on sex or something, whatever. Yeah. Right, something a little bit taboo or tricky to do. Mm. And the, the reason that I've been justifying this in my head is because like, oh, they're not educated enough to understand the way that I view this topic and they're going to judge me for it. They're going to mm. gossip about me behind my back. And therefore I'm just, it's just better that I don't want, that I don't say anything, even though I actually did want to say something in that moment, you know? Um, and like, oh, okay. Like, whoa. So I'm lit, like, that is literally me in my victimhood, Mm. gaslighting myself. Like, that, it's not my responsibility to manage other people's perceptions, level of education, emotional intelligence. Like, if something is authentic to me and I want to take up space and be that in the moment, then, like, I get to do that. And actually the work is to sit with the discomfort of doing that and trust that other people will have the emotional intelligence to set a boundary if they need to set a boundary. It's not my job to manage their boundaries. It's their job to hold their own boundaries. Yeah. You know? Like, oh, okay. Yes. It's such a freeing thing, isn't it? Just say what you want to say or ask what you want to ask. And however other people respond is up to them, you know, like yeah. trust that they're, they have the capacity to respond however they want to. And it, it, it doesn't have to be um the right response you know um we Mm -hmm. we can't micromanage other people's reactions to us yeah (laughs) so love this love this stuff (laughs) yeah me too what's your coping method when you're having a bad day what is a bad day yeah a lot of people ask clarification on this because some people would say like it's only how you sort of label it or some people might be like, yeah, a bad day. Like everything's, 
going really rubbish and I can't get myself out of this rut. So I guess that that's sort of up for interpretation of how you how you see it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, okay. if, yeah. if you're, I don't know, if you're in a really bad mood and you're feeling a bit stuck in that place. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, exercise, it, Muay Thai specifically, I train Muay Thai which is why I live in Thailand. So it's like Thai boxing. It's a martial art. Oh, um, photos, yeah. Was that a big reason for you going over there? Oh, yeah. It's the reason. My life oh. revolves around my Muay Thai. So it's oh. literally the reason I live here. Yeah. So that for me is um, probably one of my biggest coping mechanisms. But I am increasingly coming to s- understand that sometimes that can be a form of avoidance. I think it can be a form of healthy emotional preventative regulation and so I absolutely advocate ex- like there's nothing better for mental health in my opinion than exercise right as a preventative or maintenance method yeah. but when it becomes the only tool for emotional regulation then I think it can become a form of avoidance which is something I'm looking at at the moment so to counter that something that I'm doing is just going into stillness putting on a couple of songs that I have and just like leaning into the emotion, whatever it is at the moment, it's like moving through a lot of sadness. Mm. So I'm literally just like on a yoga mat, sometimes for five minutes, sometimes for 20 minutes, sometimes a half an hour, just crying, crying, maybe like moving my body, maybe a little bit of dance, nothing like structured, just like intuitive, like what my body needs to do or you know, like screaming into a pillow or something like that's about like this physical feeling. And it's like, I, I'm available to feel this feeling. I'm available to feel this feeling. I'm available to feel this feeling instead of trying to avoid it. Yeah. That's um, so important. I've, I've heard a lot of people say things like they were running so much before the pandemic but they weren't really like slowing down ever listening to the body and it, it is can just be a form of avoidance definitely um and I had a coach advise me to like buy a rolling pin to hit pillows with for anger because anger in particular is something that we just don't let ourselves feel like we feel a lot of shame around it or embarrassment mm-hmm. we judge ourselves for it but it's so important to just let those feelings out and yeah express those emotions because they do just get stuck in our bodies otherwise yeah and I think you know that process that I just described is very much in the yin energy in the feminine energy it's about being in receivership right being Mm. in the body but I think also starting to look at some of these things through the intellect or, or through yang or masculine energy is equally important so I'm like doing some work at the moment around understanding what anger actually is and one of my coaches recently shared with me that for her, anger is a sign that a boundary has been, has been crossed. Mm. And so it's not, it's not actually just about the, the, the feeling and the leaning into and the, like that's obviously a big part of it. But there is also for me a role for the intellect yeah. where it's like about intellectually understanding what's going on here, like educating myself. Okay, so if anger is about a boundary being crossed, let's look at what boundary is being crossed here how can I address that what do I need to clean up what conversations do I need to have or whatever um and then on top of that um starting to like mentally reframe 
how we're looking at these emotions. So instead of going along with these mainstream sort of indoctrinations of anger as something negative or shameful or toxic or unhealthy, starting to reframe that as like something really wholesome and pleasurable and like useful and beautiful, you know, to lean into. So there's so many different components here, you know. Yeah. Yeah. What was your biggest challenge over the pandemic? Uh, I didn't really have any challenges over the pandemic, to be honest. Um, That was a real period of growth for me. Yeah. Um, If anything, maybe feeling a little bit of guilt, but, I mean, I chose that wasn't going to help anyone, so I kind of chose not to indulge in that, to be honest. Mm. But for me, it was a really beautiful period of time. Did my, my whole business was a COVID baby, to be honest. And yeah, yeah, it was built that period, started doing a lot of the inner work that I'm been that I've been talking about now. Um, just worked a lot on my on my boxing, so my Muay Thai. Um yeah, I guess maybe just trying to come to Thailand. I've been trying I was trying to come for a couple of years mm. and had a couple of setbacks. Yeah. But you know, I think um you know that that was okay they were kind of short-lived moments yeah Yeah. that's good how long have you been over there for now was that following the pandemic yeah so about five months now yeah right okay yeah but I was meant to move here about two years ago actually I was meant to fly out right when the pandemic first hit yeah um Ah, okay yeah so the first kind of restrictions came in on the Friday and I was meant to fly out the following Monday and I had to make a decision whether to still go or not from memory. And that actually that, that first kind of couple of weeks was pretty scary because we just didn't know, you know, mm. what the hell it was. Like, and so I chose not to go because yeah. of that uncertainty. Yeah, but once I was kind of out of that initial sort of two-week period, um, it, it was fine. It, I, I'd settled in and, and kind of used it as a sort of space for a lot of growth, Yeah. Yeah, it that was definitely the big gift that it gave us space. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. I've seen so many people go through a whole journey with. I mean, look how big self development is now compared to before, and how many people are in you know in touch with their spiritual growth and everything like that, and how many people have grown businesses from it as well. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. from having sort of a bit more autonomy over their lives and probably knowing what they want more as well. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what was the surprise positive of the pandemic for you? That's probably tied into what you've just answered. My business. Mm. My business is like a COVID baby. I wouldn't have been teaching online, you know. Yeah. If it wasn't for COVID, I would have been running my the workshops that I, you know I've been teaching for various universities and writer centers and libraries and whatever teaching writing for like quite a few years now like a long time actually almost a decade um but always in person mm-hmm. and then when COVID hit everything just went online and um I hadn't really felt I never felt like a good teacher I never felt like I was meant to be a teacher or a, mm-hmm. or a yeah like it just didn't feel like it was my calling or my strength or anything like that. And then when COVID happened, 
I started this workshop through a writer's center and they took it online because of COVID and it was just like a four or six week program. And then they asked me, oh, can we just keep paying you and we can just continue these classes? And I remember thinking like, really? Like, okay. Hmm. Because the way that I'd set up the workshop was where it was I just had stopped teaching the way that I thought that I was meant to teach. And I just set it up in a way that felt really easy and light for me personally and did the things that I actually felt were going to serve my students rather than the things that I thought I had to do to tick boxes around what it meant to be a good writing teacher, right? Mm. And the students were just like, can we just keep paying you? And then, okay. And then the business just exploded. Like I think... The first month I bought in $70,000 Australian. And then after that, I bought, had the next month I bought in 60, the next year had my first $60,000 month. Fantastic. So it just like, and it was all stemming from deep alignment, you know, and having my coaching be online. Like I've been a traveler, traveled, started traveling when I was 18, traveled for three months of the year, every year since I was 18, been to like 30 or 35 countries by the time I was 30. Freedom in my work and entrepreneurship have always been so important for me, but it wasn't until I started the Right With Chloe business that it like locked into place. Like I was no longer teaching under an institution or, Mm. you know, like I couldn't, I didn't feel safe to talk about vaginas in class or to turn up barefoot because I was representing another organization. Yeah. Whereas I didn't, I didn't feel like it was okay to swear. I didn't, whereas now none of those restrictions apply. I get to teach exactly the way I want to teach. And sometimes it's, I teach in ways that like would not fly at a university, <laughs> but you know what? I fucking believe in it. Yeah. Like I believe in it. So it's like I get to make the rules and I also just get to now travel full time, you know? Yeah. Um, I kind of, it was a bit of a tangent. Did, did I answer your question? <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. That's, that definitely sounds like a, a good surprise positive pandemic. Yeah. That's, it's funny, isn't it? Like we can have these preconceived ideas of I'm not a teacher, like I'm not teaching other people, but it can just be tied up with like these institutions and a, a, an archaic, way of doing things I guess but you know if it's something that works for you and works for them which it clearly does then having that freedom to teach them in the way that you feel is right is so important well I think it was actually about inauthenticity Mm. like I was being inauthentic yeah I mean understandably right we all want to when we're working for someone else there's an element of like you know you've got to keep your job and you got to like yeah. do what the boss says and whatever, whatever, right? But um, although to be fair, no one ever, a lot of the restrictions were probably imagined or probably in my head, you know? Oh, like no one, yeah, like no one ever said, you can't talk about vaginas in class. Yeah. You know, no one ever said that, but that was like something that I just carried with me, you know? Um, and it was just about coming into like deeper, deeper authenticity, And then everything else just kind of started falling into place, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's how how it feels, isn't it, as well? Like, you might not have been told out and out that you couldn't talk about that, but it wouldn't have felt right in that kind of 
you know capacity but now obviously going with obviously proven what feels right is really worked for you so important yeah now like now in my classes it's standard people know you turn up probably going to talk about orgasms probably going to talk about someone's family member dying probably going to like I don't know talk about masturbation probably got someone's going to cry undoubtedly like every time it's just the norm wow you know yeah yeah I mean it's that freedom isn't it so it's the freedom of expression it's the same thing isn't it so why wouldn't you apply that to your classes that makes perfect sense for a writing class definitely writing coaching where's your favorite place you've traveled to over the years uh well I love Thailand my heart (laughs) has a deep 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 affinity to Thailand although that can be you know it can be mixed at times you know it's not it's not my homeland so there's always sort of tension there around belonging and all that kind of Mm. but but by and large yeah Thailand Mm. yeah I need to get over there um and what's one thing you wish someone would do for you when you're having a, a bad day or what might be perceived as that oh hugs lots of hugs mm. <laughs> hugs around stillness with like hugging it's yeah. my favorite yeah yeah hugs are so powerful yeah they can solve all manner of ailments <laughs> Oh my god, yes, and just switch you into like PNS, you know, out of that fight or flight into PNS. Yeah, yeah. There's that. It's hard to just ask for them sometimes. You you have to ask for what you want as well, don't you? Like, I think I've definitely been guilty of wanting people to read my mind a lot, but if you actually just ask Mm -hmm. for a hug, then it it still feels just as good. yes I should I need to like line up some hug sessions with some friends here actually yeah made me you sparked something I need to go do that yeah Yeah, definitely (laughs) (laughs) because our body doesn't know the difference anyway I mean a hug's still a hug you know if you ask someone to hug you it's never going to be a fake hug it might be a bit of a stiff hug but if it's someone you actually want to (laughs) hug then yeah it's always going to feel good (laughs) Yeah. yeah And what's the best thing you ever did for yourself? Uh, joining the coaching industry. Mm. Mm. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was literature and for a while it was, but the coaching industry, emotional intelligence, communication, all these skills, shadow work, very rapidly taking over mm. in terms of what feels like the most important thing in the world to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Like the things that we want for ourselves when we're younger, they're always going to change because we don't know how we're going to adapt and grow along the way and what kind of person we're going to end up being and what we're going to end up needing to do. Um, I think when we're younger, we have this fixed Mm -hmm. idea in our head of this is what I want to be and I really hope that I get there. I really hope I achieve it. But it's not realistic to want the same things. You know, it's nice to know that the sort of goalposts will move and you'll want different things as you get older. Yeah, I also just think the world needs it, right? I think so many global issues would be solved if if everyone was taught a lot of the content that the coaching industry is now teaching, you know. Yeah. Um, it's like we're just not being educated in these skills and it just makes no sense as no. to why. No, it doesn't. We're taught so much useless stuff at school that we're never going to use and, in fact, employers aren't even looking for that stuff they're looking for the skills that coaching 
gives to people. They're looking for the, you know, interpersonal skills, the softer skills as they would term them. And mm-hmm you know emotional intelligence all that kind of thing self-promotion even just you know things that would be universally agreed are important but they're kind of just not given precedence the school mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah um, and what's one thing you'd want to tell the younger version of yourself mm, start to develop self-trust start as soon as possible to develop self-trust yeah. And treat it like a skill that has to be learnt and not something that you either have or you don't have. Yeah, it is a skill, definitely. Yeah, that's so important. When you're younger, you're just, well, even when I'm older sometimes as well. Um, I did <laughs> a lot like, of <laughs> It's not like, yeah, well, I'm old people. <laughs> yeah, no, still learning it. Who am I kidding? <laughs> like that? Yeah, me, me too, me too. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can just be guided mm-hmm. so much by other people's approval, basically, instead of your own approval, which is the most important at the end of the day. Yeah. And last question: What's your go-to song that always lifts your mood? Oof, lifts my mood. Oh, it's so it just changes. Actually, what's coming up for me, the first thing that comes to my head is this um, song called Surrender or something. It's, it's, um, it's actually by some religious group I can't remember the name of and I, de- I do not identify with um, institutional religion whatsoever. So you need to be able to sort of put out there's a little bit of religious language in the song, which for me I'm, yeah. not, I'm not phased by. I just change it to like mentally just change it to like spirit, universe or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's just it's just this long emotional ballad about deeply surrendering, and I just whenever I'm kind of moving, and it's like an eleven minute track, or the one that version that I have is anyway. And whenever I'm like moving through anything tough, like I'll just put it on and just face the feelings that want to come up, let them surface. Often cry a lot on my yoga mat in my room, and it's just this eleven minutes of release, and then. I usually stand up and I'm like, okay, cool. It wasn't so bad. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. That's good. Yeah, that sounds like it works. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, I've got a bunch of songs that I run to, but um, oh, yeah. they're always kind of changing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good to have a whole load of different playlists, let alone different songs. <laughs> but oh, yeah, definitely. I have, I have like an emotional release playlist, mm. healing play- playlist, running playlist, like chill vibes, working playlist. Yeah. Yeah. You'll have to send me the link to the song because I've got a playlist for um, all of my guests tracks as well so I've got them all on there which uh, it's really Amazing. nice to have on shuffle so I'll add yours to it yeah I just remember I think it's Hillsong I Surrender by Hillsong oh okay yeah great I'll check that out cool well thank you very much for chatting to me Chloe I really enjoyed it it was really interesting yeah my pleasure it's been um it's been a good little I feel like I've learned some stuff as well like oh good just articulating some stuff that I hadn't other you know previously articulated really useful yeah 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 oh good I'm glad what do you have planned for the rest of your day um I cancelled my training and I'm just going to go eat some food swim in the pool and get a long massage oh sounds amazing yeah so I finished all my work for the day oh I've got a a little bit like a couple social media posts that I'll do but I'll probably do it on poolside yeah yeah 
Lovely. What about you? I have got a work deadline for before lunchtime and then I'm going to yoga and then I'm getting my haircut and I'm doing a little bit of work on an event that I'm hosted next month my first in-person event so a lot of exciting stuff going on around that as well oh yeah I saw that on your stories amazing yeah 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 I'm really excited and then I'm going to a beer festival tonight but I've actually stopped drinking about a month ago so I'm going to go to a beer festival Mm. with my friends and drink soft drinks (laughs) yeah soda water I always love like if I'm going to somewhere drinking alcohol I don't want to drink just drink like soda water with lime or something so yeah I've started doing that yeah 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 still still navigating it I don't know whether it'll be permanent but it feels feels good at the moment I've never done this long so yeah I'm trying to be strict with it lovingly strict (laughs) yeah such a good idea yeah enjoy the rest of your day anyway and I'll I'll speak to you soon and I will let you know when it's being released and everything amazing all right thanks Chloe bye bye well there you go that was chloe i hope you enjoyed that episode that was such a fascinating chat with her and the beautiful soundtrack of those exotic birds in the background was just absolutely dreamy as well i hope you caught a few of those there and if you like the show again i'd love it if you could review on apple Podcasts or give it five shiny stars on spotify if you are around manchester on the 11th of august I'd love it if you could attend my first ever live event for Same Shit Different Brain. Check out the link in the description. Have a good fortnight and I'll see you soon. Bye.